What is up, everyone? Uh, happy Thursday evening. Uh, my name is Andrew Spade. With me is Jake Burns. Tonight, we're going to do our Ask the OBR show for the, I think, third time uh, here mm -hmm. in the middle of the uh, off season. We're of, up to four, uh, you know, believe it or not. Is that right? Four? Oh, okay. Wow. I'm selling us short. Look at me. Time flies. Um, we're having fun, Andrew. We're that's having right. fun. Yeah. Well, so, okay. The first question was, how many times have we done this show? And I got it wrong. Um, okay. <laughs> Today on the OBR, I just want to say quickly, uh, we had a great article by uh, Cody Sweck uh, on the best and worst offseason moves in the AFC North. It's uh, a little bit of a controversial take in there, which is, I think is getting some traction. Uh, we had a report yesterday about uh, we, we uh, Barry and uh, Brad weighed in on whether or not we're actually uh, the Browns are actually interested in, in Dominic and Sue. Uh, what else here? Fred Greetham with uh, key defensive position battles to look for at Browns training camp. So even in mid-July, a lot of good content on the website. Please check it out uh, when you get a chance. Of course, I should also mention my uh, co-host here had a great piece. Was that yesterday, Jake, on the pistol and its role in the offense for the Browns this year? Yeah. So we're looking at, uh, as we get into this, I'm sorry, I'm having a cord issue here. Mm. As we get into this exciting time of year, which is, in my opinion, this uh, point I tried to make earlier in the in the process where the Browns bringing back their head coach, play caller, OC and DC is so rare, right? Mm -hmm. So them doing that, you you get, uh, and I think again, first time since ninety one to ninety three that that happened mm -hmm. uh, when Bill Belichick and a, and a guy named Nick Saban was here. Mm -hmm. So uh, fascinating stuff to me that we finally get a chance to break down. It's obvious the benefit to players, benefit to players in the system, right. all of that helps. But as a analyst, you get to know their tendencies. And when they break their tendencies, you start to have an idea of where those are. Very easy to identify if you watch a lot of the tape, which I have, uh, you know, unfortunately in some really ugly times as well. But <laughs> um, yeah, you can start to get a feel for that. And then you start to get a feel for changes they might make. And I especially want to highlight changes that I think are going to be specific to better quarterback play unique. I shouldn't say uh, always better, but, but you know, better can be a varying level of things. It's unique, different skill set at the quarterback right. position. So that, in my opinion, pushes a play caller to a different level, uh, a different uh, realm of comfort, I think is probably the way to put it. So I mm -hmm. wanted to highlight ways. I think Kevin Stefanski is going to accentuate Deshaun Watson when that situation comes to be. Nice. It's a great article. Definitely worth everybody's time. So I recommend that strongly. We're going to be a little briefer than usual. This this show has gone long when we've done it because there's a lot of good questions out there and uh, a lot of complicated questions. So we are going to try and and keep it tight uh, to a half hour because uh, Jake's got a, a baby on the way and we want to make as much time for that as we can. So we're not going to keep Jake too long. So we're going to go quick. So let's just jump right in. Um, I got a, it's a complicated question here, but I'm going to try and distill it. Basically, the question is, did the Browns decide to finally move on from Baker Mayfield uh, because uh, they knew that Deshaun Watson was going to be a long one? And I think the logic there is that if they kept Baker and Deshaun Watson got suspended for a long time, then the fans would want to start Baker. I don't, I don't think, okay, let me put it this way. I think that there was a chance before the Deshaun Watson situation went down that they could have mm -hmm. run it back. I think both sides, as you can tell, had a massive gap between them in yeah. terms of opinion, of blame, of, of fault, of philosophy, all of it. Don't think that's mm -hmm. in any way a secret. It's very much out there. Mm -hmm. There was a chance they could mend that fence if nothing came out this offseason and they just decided to run it back. 
when the Watson news broke, I thought it was over. Watson news breaks in terms of them being yeah. interested. Then when they decided to uh, really push forward and, and, and go after him hard, mm-hmm. then it was over to me. And then him deciding on Cleveland, it was all the way over. So, no, I don't see any realm of possibility beyond when it became publicly known that the Browns are in pursuit of Watson, that they were going to bring Mayfield back. I just think that you are just hoping for something like that at this point that that relationship was already on shaky ground shaky to the point that we all weren't sure if they could mend it to to run it back with him again when they if they would have been forced to do so uh -hmm. and i think that's why a lot of us were talking about the matt ryans of the world or trading for kirk cousins or uh before Derek carr's extension all that stuff man so Mm -hmm. no i just think that that stuff was long over and people were just pretending they were pretending that that was an outcome that could happen and uh, to me it was just never realistic yeah i agree with that and i think some of the reporting this week from, I think Jason Lloyd had a kind of behind the scenes piece in the athletic that hinted at a lot of the, the discord between the head coach and the, and the, uh, the quarterback that I think probably precipitated his exit. Uh, and, and, and that was them... out there, Andrew, that yeah. was out there during the season. Like, it, was. it was out it there was. and, yeah. and people you could, wanted you could to, feel it. Yeah. It definitely. And people wanted to pretend like it was a media fabrication, man. Like right. all it took was reading the quotes, mm-hmm. the, the, the post game quotes, they mm-hmm. from, from Baker. Uh, I think the yeah. Browns have been very much in the off season and aggressor in, mm-hmm. in, in, in passing off where they thought their issues were. But in season, I thought it was pretty obvious Baker, what Baker was doing in season, yeah. uh, which was, was passing things along. So, uh, okay. you know, both, both sides are uh, not at the perfect place here, but, but you know, everything's over move on now, but, it was yeah. just never going to be re- reconciled, man. Just, just, just wasn't going to be reconciled. Yep. So I wrote an article a few days ago, or maybe it was yesterday. It's, it's time flies these days, but uh, mm-hmm. it was about uh, the press conference that Baker gave uh, in Carolina, and he said that he was shocked that uh, the, the trade happened, that the Browns wanted to move on from him. Do you think he's telling the truth? Do you think he was actually shocked? I think he's shocked about the pursuit of Watson. I think mm-hmm. that although the Browns told him that they were going to pursue upgrades he never thought that Watson was going to be one that they'd pursue partly because of everything that was around Deshaun and otherwise, because it would have taken, I think for Baker, he thinks he's at a similar level to Deshaun. And when he thinks that, and he sees they gave up all that they gave up to get him. Mm. I do think that he was shocked by the trade, Uh, the pursuit first, the trade second. Yes. I, I don't, I don't think it's, they, they were honest. The Browns were honest and I fully believe they were about, if there is a quarterback upgrade, we are going to pursue it. I right. just think that Baker had eliminated Deshaun Watson, and then when they found he found out they were going after Deshaun Watson, then it was like, oh, and they gave up three first-round picks, so I mm-hmm. can't even be, you know, th- th- this is how low they think of me, that they're willing to go this far to get this player, who, again, I think Baker, in the, in the world that Baker lives in, thinks he's every bit as good as. So, um, yeah, that, I don't think he was shocked in the sense that we think he was. Like, right. I think he he just didn't calculate the situation right. Put it that way. I think that sounds right. I, I, I think that there's a little bit of, uh, you know, I think he has always viewed himself as the underdog. And so I think it plays into his narrative as the underdog that he would be, you know, done wrong by the team that traded him. So I think yeah. there's a little little bit of self-serving uh, justification in there. But I, I see what you're saying, that he didn't see it going the way that it went. Um Okay, so I, yeah, I think you kind of said it already. He's he's a different. He's on a different team. Let's not spend any more time talking about Baker Mayfield until we'll talk about him week one a little bit. Yeah, that, we're gonna uh, have to. But yeah. let's just. Uh, but yeah, let's try to form some new habits. We're like, oh, let's not talk about <laughs> Baker Mayfield and see if it well, sticks. He, right? Yeah, he's gonna make news, right? All yeah. all season. That's just how he is. So it'll be yeah. a real. It'll be hard for me not to rush to my keyboard and immediately write down whatever he says in the press conference. 
Uh, okay, so about other quarterbacks, um, uh, Tochigi uh, in Ask the Insiders had a question. What do you think the Browns think about their quarterback room in the event of a Deshaun Watson suspension? Do they need to add another quarterback, in other words? No, they're going to go with Jacoby Brissett. They, they, they picked him up because um, he can do what they want to do to an extent. Mm-hmm. So I think he can be fine with how they the baseline of their offense is. Not a lot of the tweaks they have for Deshaun, but the baseline of their offense, I think they feel comfortable with him running. They uh, obviously are getting a quarterback who come, who came in from Miami. What, what I think they're viewing is this. When he was forced to start unexpectedly twice, once Andrew Luck was hurt mm-hmm. and he ended up starting that whole season when Luck was hurt, I believe a shoulder issue Andrew Luck had in preseason that lingered, that never got right fixed. Mm-hmm. So he had to force to be started his first year in Indianapolis. And then obviously the unexpected retirement happens. He's right. forced to start both of those years. So he plays fine, clearly not an above average quarterback and, and is more often than not below average. Yep. But I think that what, what happened is they're fine with it, right? Okay. What happened in Miami? People bag on him for his time in Miami. Well, he was playing in a pretty weird and unique NFL system that's RPO and de- de- dependent, mm-hmm. largely built that way for Tua Tagovailoa. They ran a ton of 12 personnel and they were just, they were unique. They were weird. They ran so much, uh, uh, so much of that. Um, that RPO stuff. And I don't expect them to run that with him. So I think they think, Hey, this guy has two years of starting experience. He's in a system that better suits him here with an offensive line that can protect him. We think we can be fine for a period of time, cheap option. We're not going to go take away rollover cap for Jimmy Garoppolo. Who's not that much of a difference maker from him. Uh, We're not going to do anything else crazy. That's going to involve eating rollover cap that we value because we use it as a way to thin out so many contracts year to year. It's Jacoby Brissett. So get comfortable with it. That's kind of where I'm at. And I don't think I'm going to back off that. I'd be really surprised if they ended up moving for somebody, somebody of, of, of any importance, really. I think that makes sense of that. I think the question, and I think this is maybe a little bit of what was meant there too, is is uh, what what about the backup position then? If, if Brissett is the starter for, say, eight games, then are we comfortable with Dobbs as the number two? I, Fumble 13, I kind of mentioned the same thing in the chat. Yeah, uh, Dobbs is a third quarterback, and, and he's yeah. he's been around the league, which is nice. Uh, but he's limited, right? I mean, yeah. he's limited, and he he can he can move a little bit, and they can run some read option stuff with him. And I think that's a large part of why they're putting a lot of this stuff in with Watson is because Dobbs can replicate it, and Dobbs can be a situational guy alongside mm-hmm. Brissett when he's out there uh, and and dressed and playing. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're your third quarterback, we all know that. No. I don't feel comfortable with any third quarterback in the NFL, man. So no, you know, if 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 he actually has to play, then right. it sucks. It sucks. Right. It's right. Uh, the worst possible outcome. So I think, yeah, I think it's it, depending on the length of the suspension, you might see them make a move for a backup, right? To not to challenge Brissett, but just another another guy that could potentially play in the event of an injury. That might could be somebody they claim. It could be someone that yeah. gets cut, right? Yep. They could claim yep. that type of player. So somebody else's third quarterback that they yeah upside. yeah yeah. For sure. That's yeah, that's the but, only outcome. I don't think they're going to give up any assets right. that they're already thin right. at the asset department. Yeah. I don't think they're going to give up anything for, for a, a quarterback that if Watson suspended for eight games is going to be on the 53 man for like, you know, eight games. So that right. just would be sort of silly. If it's a year long suspension, I guess I could see them entertaining it. But mm-hmm. to me, again, I think they were very calculated with the two guys that they brought in. Yeah. That these are two quarterbacks that we feel pretty comfortable about taking serious snaps for us this year if they have to right 
yeah, it's that it's the old axiom: if your third quarterback is playing, your season's not going very well. In oh, the first place, you can so. even make the. I, I think, and you would probably agree with me: the axiom is is fine for a backup too. I mean, yeah, if you get to your is. third guy, if yeah. you get to your Nick Mullins, I mean, you're like, <laughs> okay, well, good luck here, yeah. right? <laughs> Please try and beat the Raiders. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, real quick uh, from from Kevo in chat. Uh, I, we've had this question before, but I think it's worth you know we, we want to respond to our viewers. So he was asking about anybody that performed better than expected in uh, OTAs and might have earned more run in training camp. I know that uh, Fred Greetham, who was there a lot, mentioned Greedy Williams looking pretty good as one of the starting cornerbacks. And I'm trying to think. I think he was also impressed with the uh, kid out of Northern Iowa, Weston, the wide receiver. I think those are the two names that he said, if I remember correctly. It's a great question. I wish uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend. I, right. I, and even people that are there, it is really, really hard on the sidelines to get a great feel for guys who are achieving things that the coaching staff wants them to do that you have no idea about. So like, I don't want to pretend I know what we'll do is Fred will be up there for training camp. We can calculate it by reps. I don't know if I'll make it for training camp. I would like to try to get to a day or two, but you, you can tell when you're there and when you're sitting up high, like that's the only way you can tell, man, you're on the sideline. You can't really tell. And uh, for now, uh, even if your guy had OTA reps that were impressive, uh, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, the training camp's a different animal. You put shoulder pads and pants on and all that stuff and we'll see. So pray to pay attention to preseason. What I will tell you is this uh, wanting, wanting to know and getting some answers on guys who are standing out in OTAs and mini camp and training camp. That's great. I, I love that passion. I'm all about it. It matters when you can see that as a fan, a spectator, whatever is preseason games. Yep. Those preseason games, they'll get reps, and those reps, they'll look good. So yep. that's where it'll matter. Yeah. And it's tough because now there's only the three games, and so there's fewer reps to go around. And, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think that as the years go by, more and more of the evaluation is taking place away from the public eye. And so it's just hard to know. You know, it's hard for us to say with any certainty uh, unless we could get, get a microphone into Andrew Barry's office. Uh, okay, so uh, we talked about the quarterbacks. Uh, we've got – we had a, a, a three-part question or three different questions from Tactical Bacon and asked the insiders, uh, who do you think will be the starting nickelback this season? We'll start there. Greg Newsom. It seems like he's going to be he's, – he's voluntarily talked about it, been open about it. I could see the Browns wanting to do something else, play a third safety in that role more often, something of the sort as a heavy zone team already. Mm-hmm. I Like I said, could see them doing that, but – to me, uh, when they go nickel, and that's the situation you are often trying to match up more than any other, it feels like they are going to put Newsom in there. He's, uh, I think he's got the, the body type, the mentality to handle that role. He's talked about it. He did it last year over 100 snaps, so that's my guess. I could also understand them wanting to keep him as an outside guy, mm-hmm. um, wanting to keep him as an outside corner because outside corners – make a ton of money, right? That that's mm-hmm. the, the, those are, you're usually you're covering the best receivers, but modern day football, you also get a lot of really good slot players. So I could also see them wanting to have him in there for that exact reason. So my guess is him. Um, and then if it's another guy, maybe AJ green slides inside and does a little bit of that. And they try to develop him there, but that's my guess. Greedy is too, too many injuries to be in a heavy run fit situation right. often. So I don't expect him to get a ton of run as uh, as that guy. And obviously, Martin Emerson, you could see Martin Emerson doing a little bit of that stuff, but that's, um, you know, that's, that's dicey for a rookie and he's a bigger yeah. body. I think he's just a natural outside guy. So we'll see how that shakes out. But my best guess is, is Newsom right now for sure. Okay. 
Uh, and then for the second question, for the, he's basically looking for your thoughts on the starting defensive line. And I know you just recently have gone through a lot of the edge players on your podcast. Thoughts on the starters or just the, the group in total? Well, he says starters, uh, but I think you could. I think we have some license there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the first two defensive ends don't really need discussed. They're, they right. are who they are. We know about them. We know how good they are. Winovich and to me, it's Winovich and Alex Wright and Stephen Weatherly. Uh, yeah. Those are your next guys if you follow the money. Uh, I could see them really wanting to keep Isaiah Thomas and finding a way to keep him somehow, some way. So that's not out of the realm of possibility. But the others, Isaac Rochelle and some of the others of uh, Curtis Weaver type, I just don't see them getting enough opportunity. So, um, uh, and and being good enough. So yep. th- th- those are the five, and I-, I think they're excited about Alex Wright. I think they're excited about getting Winovich into this system and seeing what he can do. So mm-hmm. uh, I am too. Uh, we'll see what they get from those guys, but at least Alex Wright, a draft pick that they've invested in, uh, I feel really good about uh, that young man getting yeah. a nice opportunity. So um, those are your starters there that I would be pretty surprised if that goes in any other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, defensive tackle continues to be a concern for me. I need to see those guys get better. Elliot and Taven Bryan appear to be the leaders in the clubhouse at this point, which is not a very deep clubhouse. Yeah. Tommy Togi. I, I mean, these guys all, to me, these guys all have to really, really put yeah. quality quality stuff in this year and show how they're going to be a part of an impactful defensive line. Togi eyes was not good last year. Didn't anchor, didn't really have anything pass rush wise juice, either moves or bull rush yeah. stuff to make me excited. And then, you know, they, I think that unfortunately they are banking on Perry on Winfrey being a guy who can handle some early snaps. And you know how I feel about that. I hate mm-hmm. expecting any rookie beyond a top 20 rookie, top 25 rookie uh, to be a guy that you need to get reps uh, in, a, in his rookie season. So I listen, I know Perrion's got talent. I know a lot of people like him. I know a lot of people were mocking him to Cleveland as high as a second round. Yep. He is the most interesting player in the room. But again, he comes with a lot of flaws too. So mm-hmm. uh, that kind of tells you a little bit about where they're at in general with that room. It's, it's just, it's just a guessing game. I don't, I really don't know how it's going to pan out. Yeah. I'm worried about it. It might not matter, but I'm worried about it. I've been pretty vocal about that for a bit now. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, well, on the positive side, I did see that Miles Garrett got LASIK. I saw that on Twitter this evening. He's he's promoting LASIK, a LASIK company that he got LASIK from. So right. imagine now that he can see the offensive lineman in front of him. He's going to be even more unstoppable. So that's exciting. Yeah, Kevo makes a good point down there. The Browns do not employ anybody who is a true run stuffing Right. Uh, 330 to 350 big fella inside. Glenn Logan, yep. the UDFA out of LSU, is the only body type there that makes that kind of sense. But uh, they don't. They really prefer guys who can play the, the pass rush and play the run on the way to the quarterback. So we'll see. If they ended up keeping somebody like Logan, that would tell you that they are interested in a player like that. So certainly worth watching if they end up keeping him because he's the only body type that is like that on the roster they they just don't have very many of those guys yeah it's a it's a it's an open competition for sure uh uh, tactical bacon he had these this three-part question so the third question is will baker wake up dangerous in september or is he going to end up scared that miles needs another name on his list i guess that would be the, the gravestone list I think Baker is so full of bravado. I don't think he's afraid of anybody. And I think that yeah. makes place to a detriment uh, with mm-hmm. him. I think put it this way. I think the Browns are pretty eager to play Baker. The defense yep. is, is, yep. uh, is pretty eager to see Baker Mayfield uh, yep. because they have <laughs> unfortunately watched the opposite side of that for a while. And then, and, and uh, uh, I'll leave it at that. There, there, yep. uh, there, there's no fear from their side of, of playing against Baker Mayfield. Well, and I just I want to say that it couldn't have worked out better from my perspective. Uh, getting to watch that week one is, it's I think you said at one point it's going to be one of the higher rated uh, week one games, especially if if Watson ends up somehow being eligible. Uh, so it, it it it's going to be a it's going to be a great game as a as a Browns fan for a lot of different reasons. I'm very excited about it. I'm somewhat tempted to try and make the trip down for that one. Okay. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, W100BLY uh, asked, is it too early to know yet about the special teams? And uh, any hope for optimism this year? Um, I think they have a lot of interesting guys who can play special teams roles, kickoff, kick return, punt return. I like the backup part of their linebacker room. I think they have athletic enough defensive ends, Winovich especially. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, I, and I think Weatherly can do some things that are fun in that realm. Their sixth receiver, we obviously know Jakeem Grant is going to be the fifth receiver. He's going to be around and handling all of those special teams return duties. The kicking game, I mean, until Cade York proves he's not going to be able to handle it and be fine at it, I think we should yeah. all be pretty optimistic about Cade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bjorquez, I mean, I, again, I don't want to sound really mean here, but uh, Jamie Gillen was so bad last year. Yeah. It's hard to see that area getting worse. Now I have to see how Bjorquez does holding. He mm-hmm. has never been a very good holder, according to people that he's, um, other organizations he's been around. So we'll have to watch that really intently to see mm-hmm. if they end up maybe moving Dobbs or somebody else to end up holding. But um, that's something that is interesting to me. But I really like the group that they have uh, to do this, the, the the running parts of things, the depth in the defensive secondary to be gunners and kick kickoff team guys and get down the field. Now, I, I'm optimistic about the special teams. And I think the biggest thing we'll notice is the return game better. Jakeem Grant. Does right. he handle that game better? Does he does he secure the football all the time? I think he's very good at it. I have no doubt that he'll be able to handle that. And then um, do they make kicks? That's just right. what everyone really cares about most. And I think Cade York's pretty talented. And even if his first year doesn't go flawlessly, I have a lot of faith that he'll figure this thing out eventually. And, yeah, I think it should be a pretty fun special teams group uh, that, that just has more skill, more overall skill. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, as as uh, as Ian McBride said in the comments, uh, got a lot of Mike Prefer's got a lot of toys this off season, so there's not a lot of excuses left for him. Like he's got the he's got the materials now. He needs to go out and make it a, a cohere, cohesive unit. So we'll see how that goes. Another thing to watch in the preseason, I think, to a certain extent. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I missed this earlier when we were talking defensive line, but uh, Taven Bryan. There's a question about Taven Bryan and how he was used in Jacksonville. He underperformed, right? He's a former first-round pick. Uh, mm-hmm. And and uh, the, the, the questioner is basically asking, was he misused in Jacksonville, or is it just a lack of talent? I didn't think he played hard all the time. I didn't think he felt – he didn't seem like he ever felt really comfortable in, with them. It's hard to say any player from at least last year in Jacksonville and the group before them. I would take a flyer on most of those guys because the, the situations were uh, were pretty chaotic around that franchise, put it that right. way. So right. I'm going to give everybody coming from Jacksonville a fair opportunity to prove that what they were dealing with there was pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I don't think he's as skilled, as twitchy, as strong as a lot of people hoped for when he came out of Florida. Um, but that doesn't mean he can't be a decent part of what they do here. So um, they just need him to be respectable. So I hope that he can find a way to just be respectable here. Agreed. That would be a, a step in the right direction for his career and for the Browns defensive tackle room. Uh, we had a, a question from OG Philly, uh, one of our uh favorites here uh he asked uh, what second year player besides uh Usu koromoa or newsom takes the biggest jump this season good question yeah. um second year player yep well you would probably want to say anthony schwartz or tommy mm-hmm. togi i mean uh i would really feel excited about hudson if he was getting more promised reps i don't feel like he's getting a ton of promised reps because of jack conklin coming back and and um you know that situation with chris hubbard being around mm-hmm. i don't have a great answer for that can i cheat and give you a third year guy i think I, I, is ready to take a, a step and it's not delpit i think he's the obvious answer i think mm-hmm. jacob phillips is ready i mean like yeah i think he's gonna be their mic backer um mm-hmm. they want him to be the mic backer and I'm excited to see him get that opportunity because, you know, when he's right, and again, he had that freak mm-hmm. elbow thing happen last year, but when he's right, go back. If you get bored in the next few days, go back and watch him play week 17 when the Browns clinched their playoff mm-hmm. berth against Pittsburgh. He had eight stop tackles in that game was all over the field. Finally really looked comfortable in an NFL uniform. Yep. And I, I have high hopes for him, obviously dealt it too, but high hopes for him um, as, as a second year, as a, as a th- going into his third year, he's just got to stay healthy. Yep. If he can stay healthy, I really think that he has a ton of potential here. And they they like Anthony Walker. Everybody likes Anthony Walker. Feels yeah. like Walk's been around the league for 20 years, but he's only 27. I think he turns mm-hmm. 28 late in the year, calendar year. So like he's not that old, but I mean he's very serviceable st- still as well. But they they want this guy uh, that they drafted uh, in, in Jacob Phillips to anchor the mic beside JOK. So um, that that's a guy I'm pretty excited about uh, i hope i hope it comes to fruition for him um you know grant too the, the second year guys i mean if i'm not expecting anthony schwartz to 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 make some giant leap but he would right. be the best outcome i mean in my opinion if he could prove to be something worthwhile in the nfl that's a great mm-hmm. outcome they need yeah. whatever he has speed wise to translate into actual wide receiver production he's the guy you want the most in my opinion you know hudson will get his time eventually 
Um, you know, they'll, they'll get some guys, get their chances. Tommy Togi, I will have a chance. I don't know whether I believe he can do it, but <laughs> nonetheless, the, the opportunity, uh, Schwartz taking a step in the right direction this year would be so big for the, yeah. the long term of that room. Well, and they don't really have another guy that does what he does in that room. So, uh, no. if he doesn't do it, then it really is a big question mark of who can. And we've seen so many times the Browns, what the Browns offense looks like when there's not a wide receiver that can run past anybody. It, it gets real condensed and uh, it's not much fun to watch. So, no. yeah, that I mean, is, it, even even if he's true. just a decoy, you know, just if he can convincingly pretend to be an, a target, you know, that would help help out. Uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think I think we need him the most. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious about a second year from Richard LeCount, uh, just based on, you know, uh, some of the promise he showed in the preseason last year. I think it could be interesting to see you know what his trajectory looks like on the team over the next few years i think you know there's a chance he's just a special teams guy and nothing else and that's fine but uh it you know i it would it would be cool to have another viable deep safety uh besides just uh grant delpit since they're not 100 100 percent. he needs to stay he needs to stay healthy right yeah. like yeah not healthy health wasn't the issue he needs to stay on the right side of the coaching staff yeah. he, was suspended he, needs, last to, he year. needs to show up he needs to show yeah. up for meetings we, we, yeah. we didn't really get an answer on why he was suspended either right. so some right. things to to certainly monitor yep. uh but yeah him being a, a worthwhile player at that position would be would be awesome for them Mm-hmm. Uh, a question from the chat. Uh, Eagle and one wants to know, are we too overconfident in the offensive line returning form? Lots of injuries to overcome and question marks generally about that unit. That's a good question. Um, if there's a regression candidate, extreme regression candidate, the offensive line is fascinating for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's a great question. I, yep. I, I think that, Conklin has to come back healthy, but Hubbard being healthy and keeping somebody like Blake Hans out of that tackle role mm-hmm. is wildly important. Um, mm-hmm. I definitely think that, that the guards will be fine. You need Nick Harris to be who you think Nick Harris can be. And then, you know, Jed being healthy, you need Jed to take the next step in whoever Jed is going to be. So I don't, I think at the basement of this group, they're an average top 15 offensive line. The ceiling, as we know, is a, is one of the best offensive lines in football period. So I'm watching that, that that's, that's a really sneaky, like mm-hmm. it could, it could be a regression area, um, yep. but they also still have an immense amount of talent there that it's not like I'm afraid, but it is an area worth monitoring. So good question. Right. Yep. But I'm not going to predict that sort of thing um, because, you know, Conklin coming back with some health and then and then Hubbard coming back with some health will, in my opinion, be raising the basement there uh, for sure. But I, I liked James Hudson's steps he made by the end of the year last year. I liked uh, I, I certainly like Nick Harris and, and the Hans experience is great. That's that's only going to help him, in my opinion, being able to play inside or out. Um, and then Michael Dunn coming back healthy had that weird back thing last year. It shouldn't happen. It really shouldn't. Mm-hmm. The only thing that could happen is that more injuries get derailed this year. And then, and then they're fighting to overcome all those injuries. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think last year, the quarterback to answer red leader 74's question was on the quarterback, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, not all of it, not yeah. all of it, but right. he didn't help the situation. Mm-hmm. And when that happens on top of dealing with shuffling parts in and out, different players, all that comes with that, it starts to get really, really hard um, yep. to overcome. So, yep. um, 
Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of leave it at that. I don't expect they would be, but if they do regress, I want to kind of reassure everybody. I still think that even with that regression, that they're still a top 15 NFL offensive line. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, again, I'm not expecting that, that regression to happen. Yep. I agree with that. And I think I think the, the point about the range of outcomes being pretty wide is is a good one. And, and so it'll be it'll be a question until it's not, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So just to clean up two things, uh, two questions from chat. Kevo a while ago asked if there were any free agents out there. We talked about this, I think, last time we did a show. And I think we, bas- we both kind of landed on the idea that <clears throat> if there's a Malcolm Smith type, uh, you know, where it's one year, you know, uh, for the minimum or around the minimum, we could see that happening closer to the start of training camp. But I think we're both pretty skeptical that uh, they would go big at this point for the reason Jake mentioned earlier in terms of rollover cap and, and trying to pay down some of the credit card that they've run up. Uh, and then another question was uh, from Fumble13. If we were to lose one of the free safeties to injury, would you be against bringing in Joe Hayden and converting him to safety? I think we talked about this last show, too. I, I think it's a it's an interesting idea. The question is whether or not that's something Joe wants and whether or not that's the direction the team would want to go is converting somebody on the fly like that. I, I do think, you know, uh, I remember two years ago, <clears throat> excuse me, when Ronnie Harrison came in, he didn't see the field for the first half of the year uh, because I, I'm assuming because Woods didn't think he was ready. So, you know, whether it's a free agent signing, uh, you know, uh, across the roster or somebody like Joe Hayden switching positions, I think at this point, those guys would all come in behind you know, the people that are on the roster that are starting. Uh, any thoughts on either of those, Jake? Um, I th- Listen, I'm going to be pretty pretty boring with this answer. I don't <laughs> think they're going to sign anybody. I think yeah. they're going to claim some people, mm-hmm. but I don't expect them to sign anybody unless yeah. a Grant Delpit blowout Achilles situation with somebody somewhere and the, that they're really counting on happens. Right. So status quo remains a status quo. I don't expect them to sign anybody. Yep. Just where I'm at with it. No, I agree with that. Uh, okay, so well, let's get out of here on one uh, non- Browns roster related question. Uh, I uh, did you see the Bengals new helmet that came out today that they they teased the pictures of? I did. I, I remain incredibly jealous of a lot of things Cincinnati <laughs> has right now. I put that in the Slack channel. I think that is a is such a such a sharp uniform. Yeah. Um. I I, I I'm not afraid to admit it, man. I, I remain incredibly jealous of a lot of things yep. that they have going on there, and uh, hopefully the Browns can continue to put their best foot forward to continue to compete with those guys but um yeah man i mean they got a good thing going that uniform is going to be so great it's an awesome mm-hmm. it's just an awesome look and yeah. uh just don't wear them against us that's all i ask oh that's a good point yeah uh i've always been a big fan of the browns all whites uh myself yeah, they don't, so. they've only worn them one time in kevin stefanski's tenure they wore them at jacksonville me. his I first year yeah. it, the all white uniform is fantastic they've been taking <laughs> pictures in them this offseason so maybe they'll wear them more yeah like, yeah, I don't want them to mess with the helmet. I, I even the I'm I'm kind of okay with the orange throwback with the numbers on it that they wore mm-hmm. this year. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't want them to change color of the helmet. They don't need to do that. Agreed. I know they're not the Cleveland oranges, but the, the orange helmet is iconic. It's always been the way they've been. I know they had a little run of white helmets a long time ago, but yeah, man, just kind of I I don't think they need to go crazy with that. I think they can keep tinkering with the uniform, but wear the white on white more, man. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a really clean look. You know, yeah. why, why you saved that in Jacksonville one time? Like, right. I like white on white, white and orange, no brown pants. Brown pants are hideous. Yeah, Hate it. They, they, yeah. Stop. Stop mm-hmm. with that. Stop. It's they, terrible. The, when they wore those 75, 75th anniversary uniforms that last year, those were white on white, right? Is that, am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, they're white on white. I like that yeah. look, but that, I don't really was, count that, that as like the burn. No, I hear you. I hear you. Up with, but, you know? Yeah. But th- that was a good look. And I think it maybe shows that, 
you know, if they hadn't had those, maybe they would have hit white on white a few times last year. Let's hope that it comes back this year because I think it's it's right up there with brown look. on white for me. Uh, those it's are a the great top. Look. Now, I I yeah. will say I don't mind the all brown, um, the like all brown mm. look that they wore in like 2014. With the, yeah. but they did they didn't have that orange stripe down the side. Mm-hmm. Not a fan of that orange stripe down the side, but yep. yeah, man, white on white traditional Browns uniforms more often. Please and thank you. Well, I mean, it's a it's a standard here at the Ask the OBR show. We we cover uniform topics. Anytime I see anything uniform related, I know Jake's going to have an opinion. I'm going to have an opinion. The chat gets fired up. People love the uniforms. Yeah. We're going to do it every time. Uh, this has been great, Jake. Uh, we're a little bit over a half hour, so you might be get, getting murdered here in a little bit. We'll find out what your wife has to say. <laughs> thank you so much for making time. Uh, best of luck to you and your family. And thank you all out there for joining us for a, a, an abbreviated edition. We will be back. I think next Thursday, I don't want to promise anything for Jake and uh, his family, but uh, keep an eye out and we'll, we'll let you know. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for setting this up and doing this, Andrew. It's always fun, man. I am going to continue to get everything ready and hopefully we'll have a fourth member of our family by this time tomorrow night. So All right. I'm excited. Good luck, Jake. And uh, thanks everybody for joining us. We will see you uh, again soon on Twitch, I guess next Monday. So have a great night, everybody. Have a great night, guys. Go Browns. Go Browns. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.